0: The Data Reaper Podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. And welcome to episode 154 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Squash, and I am here on this fine Year of the Pegasus core release day with Zacho, of course.
1: How you doing today, Zach? How you doing, Squash? Uh, we have an exciting day. Uh, the announcement of the Year of the Pegasus. And the core updates uh, of the year, I think there are some significant changes that are, you know, bound to be exciting. And uh, this, you know, starts uh, Hearthstone's 10-year anniversary, Year of the Pegasus. By the way, Squash, do you know why they decided to call it Year of the Pegasus? There's actually a lot of meaning behind it. Ooh, tell us. Uh, yeah, so when Hearthstone was in development and was a secret, it was codenamed Pegasus. That was the codename for the game. So it's a reference from that, from Hearthstone in its development. We are 10 years away from Hearthstone's release. The game, it's amazing, right? Like a, a game that it is. holds up after 10 years. Not a lot of games are like that. Where it just keeps going and it's still a successful game. And, uh, you know, it's it's been able to, to stand the test of time. And uh, the test of time in gaming is very tough. Not a lot of games, you know, survive to this point. But I am personally very optimistic about Hearthstone surviving for 10 more years. I would even say that Hearthstone for the next decade can continue to be a successful game. Because it's unique, you know. We've seen a lot of, you know, Hearthstone killers come in and try to challenge the space, and none of them have survived. <laughs> have survived, um, unfortunately. I think it's good that we have other games of the same genre uh, thriving. Agreed. Uh, I think the main reason is that you know Hearthstone is charming in a way that is very hard to recapture. Or very hard to replicate. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're in uh we're in
0: rare air here, guys. I, I know that there's been a little bit of like a, a bit of a bummer about the current meta and everything, but I I do like that we're opening this podcast with some positivity. Like Hearthstone's a great game, people. We're all here for a reason, and this core set looks awesome. I'm really excited. There's some shakeups that I think were needed, and I think they're being executed well, and I can't wait to talk about them. I think the plan right now we're gonna go through. Alphabetically, class by class, you should have a big old document that shows you what's leaving core and what's coming to core for each class, and it goes in order. And obviously, that means that we'll be starting with Death Knight, which is going to be the biggest one to talk about as well, simply because it was the new class in 2022. So they need to make some big core adjustments to make sure the identity of the class is solidified moving forward. And, yeah, there is just a lot of stuff to talk about here. How, where, what, what, where do you want to start with Death
1: Knight, Zach? Yeah, so Death Knight, uh, there are a few things that are significant. First of all, since we've had a year of expansions, then Death Knight doesn't need as many cards uh, at at their baseline compared to the other classes. When when Death Knight was released, uh, you know, there was, like, the Path of Arthas set, um that was meant to help it catch up, right? Have enough of a card pool, especially when it's like a triple rune uh, setup that needs more support than a regular class. Uh, so we needed that. And now um, they've kind of... Uh, they can afford to shrink the ba- the baseline amount of cards that are available to Death Knight. Um, so keep that in mind. The other thing that is quite significant uh, is that... There are a lot of rune restriction updates. Uh, there are some cards have been buffed. Uh, for example, uh, Harbinger of Winter got buffed to a three-two in terms of stats. It's a nice buff, right? It's a it's a pretty good card now. Like it's a like a two mana three-two that draws a card um, it is is very strong. Would be a very strong card in any kind of class. But the other thing is that also its rune restriction went from like two frost runes to one. So this is a unique card that got buffed in both aspects. But, you know, many of the uh, Death Knight cards got certain power updates and rune restriction updates. So like Soul Stealer, no longer triple rune. There has been an effort to reduce the number of triple rune cards. Maybe uh, to encourage more flexibility uh, to the class. The other thing that is quite important to 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 note is that they have kept a lot of the key triple rune payoffs uh, They were about to rotate, like vampiric blood was going to rotate, but they've kept it in core to maintain uh, blood control's identity as a you know a rune archetype. Uh, so that's really cool because I felt that rotation was going to be brutal on Death Knight, and it seems that mm-hmm. through the core updates. Um, they have, you know, softened that that kind of um, climb that Death Knight was was bound to get into, get itself into, and now it's it seems a bit softer. Like we still have Corpse Explosion, we still have Vampiric Blood. hematurg was also uh, kept, even buffed in terms of rune restriction. is still in mm-hmm. the game. You can still play Blood Control Death Knight after rotation, thanks to these changes. So that's really nice. The other thing, Frostworm's Fury has been kept. Mero manipulator and now is now a double rune card. Uh which is interesting because maybe now you play uh, uh an aggressive uh maybe a a, a one unholy uh two mm. frost composition might become viable now since you have Mero manipulator uh be available. Sure. So there's some there's some added flexibility here uh from, you know, the, the reduction of rune restrictions and also keeping some of the key cards. However, some cards are leaving. Uh, and some of them are important. Patchwork is the big one. Uh, personally, I don't mind this card leaving. Because this is a card that I feel like it's a disruptive card that I think is unique. And I think it was good to have in the game. But maybe not something that is permanently available. To a class or an archetype. So that was a big... uh, I think out of all the cards, this is the big one. The other big one that I'm kind of curious about is Marogar. Um, Lord Marogar is rotating. Honestly, I would have kept this card in core. It feels a little strange that Vampiric Blood is kept. his Fury is kept. But not Marogar. I guess they had to decide between Grave Strength and Marogar as the triple rune in core. And they decided to reduce the number of triple room cards in general. So they decided, okay, the grave strength win condition for unholy is more important to us uh, than Merogar as an identity for the for the triple unholy archetype, which is fair enough. But uh, Merogar, I think, in terms of power, was quite important for this archetype. So this is a big miss. Those, but but generally, those are the only two cards that I would say that. Death Knight will really hard miss. Maybe Frost missing uh, Frigidara is another significant one in terms of leaving.
0: Something about Marogar leaving that kind of suggests to me is that maybe they just have a a new idea for a triple unholy card that they're going to print in an expansion or something, and they didn't want too much overlap between, like, a a mega corpse payoff for a triple unholy deck. That That's just a theory that I have. But yeah, there's some really cool stuff here. One that I am a little bit um mixed on is Acolyte of Death. So they removed the Frost Rune. So now it's a runeless card. You can play it in any Death Knight deck, but they nerfed it by one attack. And so the only deck that this has ever seen play in, as far as I can remember, is Rainbow Death Knight right now. And they're making it worse in that deck, which is just a little bit frustrating. But also at the same time, I think Acolyte of Death could be a huge addition to like Unholy decks now. And that that's a pretty interesting direction to go. I'm really glad that Corpse Bride is sticking around. That's probably my favorite Death Knight card right now. And I'm also, I think, Hematurge... Dropping to just one blood rune is pretty enormous for Rainbow Death Knight. I think that that card is like auto-include in there. So I'm excited to to cook with some of these. These, these are these are good changes. And I definitely agree with you. Patchwork was a good one to take out. That's, that's the kind of card you just leave around for a year and take it out, I think. But other than that, this all looks really nice to me.
1: Yeah, Hematurge. Actually, I didn't think about it. Um, also I mispronounced it earlier, but, uh, yeah, that goes into rainbow. Absolutely. For it's sure. actually really it's good in rainbow really now. good, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the thing about Acolyte of Death, the reason why I didn't see play in anything other than a rainbow is because of the awkward rune restriction. Yeah. Like, if, I think if this card was, had no rune restriction over the last year, it would absolutely see play in unholy aggressive decks. Like yeah. the card is is powerful in token decks, but had this weird frost rune requirement that didn't really fit its uh, its flavor yeah. uh, <laughs> that that much. So now I understand the nerf. I'm kind of I kind of could have like said eh, let's just keep it as a three four. Yeah. Um, and, and just remove the rune requirement. Like, would that have been a disaster? I don't think so. Uh, but maybe they they feared that it would be like a permanent inclusion, like every. Almost every Death Knight deck, because it's a really powerful source of card draw. Like, think about every Death Knight deck running ca- mining casualties with Acolyte of Death. Uh, like, even the like a slower deck hmm. would run uh, Acolyte of Death maybe as a three mana. So maybe they want this card to be like still a decision in terms of deck building, which is why they nerf the attack. But I think that if you're playing any kind of aggressive deck or any board flooding deck, even Acolyte with its current stat. Uh, distribution is, is a strong consideration. This card can easily draw two, three cards. Especially with Mind and Casualty in the format. The thing is, Mind and Casualty is just so easy to draw with Acolyte of Death. You play them two and then, you know, you just run them in and when the ghouls die you just play Acolyte of Death on curve and you draw two cards from it. Yep. Um. It's it's really powerful. So, I can understand it. Uh. But again, I, I think I think Team 5, over the years, have done a pretty consistent good job of not taking away things that people enjoyed in core over the previous year. And it always feels like classes get stronger. Yeah. Now, it might be a psychological thing, but it does feel like they have done a good job of making sure that people aren't sad about core rotation. That there's always more something to be excited for rather than oh this card's leaving now I can't play with this card anymore like there are some impact uh like in the Deathland class they're, they're like three cards i think are impact uh um removal uh like uh, from 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 core but on the other hand the things that you gain the things that you gain are pretty significant so i, I really enjoy that uh, uh, that approach of like we don't want to take things away from classes. There are some exceptions in this uh, particular rotation, but it's a it's a very small exception uh, compared to the rest. And I think they've done a good job with the thing. Uh, I think Marrow Manipulator should not be a triple room card, and it was a right call to reduce it. Uh, same for Soul Stealer. It's actually quite interesting. You can play. A control blood deck without vampiric blood now, but still have access to soul stealer. Hmm. I'm not sure that's good, right? But you still have corpse explosion and soul stealer, which you know are really important removal and asphyxiate. Hmm. They they drop the, the rune restriction completely, so every class, every archetype can play asphyxiate now. Seem like they've softened the restrictions on removal to maybe have, uh, you know, other maybe unholy can have, I don't know. A more defensive deck as a result of the softening of these restrictions but sure, you know, sure, it's yeah. a tall task of course
0: this is exactly the kind of stuff i was hoping to see like they got a year of of data on death knight and they got to see what kinds of decks were actually working out and not working out for the class and they made adjustments accordingly I'd, i've seen debates on the discord and stuff that like the rune mechanic is just inherently broken and there's no way that they can make it work. And I don't think that that's quite true. You just got to make adjustments and we're seeing good ones here and it's it'll be cool to see what happens. And yeah, to, just to your Absolutely. Point, like, yeah, Yeah. Like, like,
1: it's like the rune, the runes are never the problem. The problem is always how do you use the runes? Mm-hmm. How do you approach the runes? Um, nothing is like fundamentally limiting. You just need to choose what you do with them and i think they've they've chosen well they've said okay so it's obvious that we don't want to pigeonhole archetypes too much into triple runes so we're softening that we're like reducing the number of triple rune cards so it doesn't feel like we have to always go triple runes and on the other hand we're making the class a bit more versatile yeah right so like okay now more more things have access to some removal more, more approaches have access to card draw now. There's more stuff to think about, so it it, it increasing the options, but not making it uh, totally redundant, right? It's it it just adds more flexibility, and I really like it. Um, I think they've done they've done a good job on Death Knight for sure.
0: Yep, and it's going to be a recurring thing throughout this podcast. Where in other than <laughs> one main exception that I'm seeing while I scroll through these, I think every class gets new things to think about. And that that's all you can ask out of core. You I don't want core to like create the new decks or anything. That's what expansions are for. I just want core to give me stuff where I'm flipping through the deck builder and I see this card and I'm like, "Huh, that that can go in a deck, right?" And on that note, how about Demon Hunter? There's only 3 cards that are leaving and then 3 cards that are coming in. But in my opinion, all three of the cards that are coming in are better than the cards that are leaving. So we get Expendable Performers and Wayward Sage and Umber Wing. And I like all three of those cards. I think that they're pretty cool. Wayward Sage is just an excellent, I think, like outcast to Naga to have in DH. It just feels like a, a great DH design. So I'm glad that that's sticking around and not rotating from uh, Sunken City.
1: Yeah, Wayward Sage is perfect because uh, it's really a card that, you know, fits the identity of Demon <laughs> Hunter really well. It's yep. a Naga. It's an Outcast card, and it does cost reduction in a way that isn't too powerful, because um, it's not an overpowered card. Like an Outcast and a Naga, it's been played in two main archetypes this year, yep. and it's it hasn't been close to a power outlier in any of them. But it makes them feel better yep. to play. So I, I'm a big fan of putting Sage in core. Uh, Umberwing is huge. Like, Umberwing is just such an important card for aggressive Demon Hunter decks. And again, it's not overpowered, but it's a card that is a good foundational card for Demon Hunter's early game. So, I'm a big fan of adding it uh, uh, to core. And expendable performers. Like, Demon Hunter doesn't have good single target removal, generally. Um... It does have some AOE, but Expendable Performance is the kind of card that can be both an AOE and a single target removal if necessary. So it's a very good combat card um, for some archetypes. It's a bit more niche and more fringe than the other two, but it's but it's good. Like compare it, it what is it replacing? Flame Reaper, right? A card, <laughs> a seven mana card that nobody's ever played, yeah. right? right and and it just doesn't it didn't matter it, it, like it was a removal card that wasn't really used because you know performance is just more flexible um and it has synergies with like a token demon hunter deck maybe plays it so i think demon hunter got a pretty good update where it feels like i have more things to do with the class now just based on the 3 cards so Yeah, I I like it a
0: lot. We're not even done because they got multiple buffs, including one that I did a double take. Battle Fiend is a 1 3 now. Are you for real? (laughs) Like, that is a monster of a one drop.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you remember, this card used to be a Tutu and it was giga powerful. It was like insanely busted and arguably a 1 3 starting stats, stat line. Is better than a tutu because you just can't kill it. So yeah, Battlefina 1 3 is huge. Kane Sun Fury gets its health back. It's a 3-5. This is the Ashes of Outland release Kane Sun Fury. A three-five charge for four mana is really powerful. Yeah. Uh we we've we know about Kane. That card got nerfed for a reason. It was really good, and now as a a 4-mana 3-5, it is a strong consideration in aggressive uh, Demon Hunter archetypes. And also, Metamorphosis deals 5 damage again. Um,
0: That is interesting.
1: That card was really powerful in this iteration. In Ashes of Outland, it was a 4-mana, deal 5, and it was pretty much permanently included in every Demon Hunter deck. Yes, time moved on. We've moved on from those days, but... A four mana basically, uh, it's basically a six mana pyroblast over two turns. That those numbers matter, and we know that metamorphosis uh, at this iteration was very playable and competitive so. Um this is a big boost, I think, for aggressive demon hunter decks. Mostly, uh, Naga DH actually has a chance to stay, stick around, especially when in the neutral set, a vicious slither spear is also sticking. So they, it seems like Naga synergy, they've tried to keep it for another year. Uh, they've made a conscious effort to keep the Naga decks uh, potentially viable with some important cards, glue cards, uh, stain. And, and yeah i'm just uh, i'm happy with the demon hunter updates i think it's cool battlefield though <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> like huh. that card uh, i don't know could get nerfed but you know what it's fine like this is this is a risk i like I right do too. Yep. this is the same this is the same uh, type of deal when we talked about Akaloid death maybe the, that could have been a, a three attack minion here yeah, maybe 1-3 is too good, but if it's too good, you know, we can always nerf it later. But Demon Hunter needs help right now. Oh, yeah. It needs a bit more power coming into the year. It had a bit of a rough end of the year, and it's very limited uh, in terms of options. We've only had Nugget DH, and it's not the you know not the most pleasant deck to play against, so it needs stuff. So I like the, the fact that they're giving Aggro DH, other forms of Aggro DH, like more room to grow with Umberwing... Uh, Battlefiend curve now looking pretty good.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's such a throwback too. That's what we were doing in Ashes, like this. this yeah, that... it does feel kind of like an updated Ashes DH, but we're in a very different Hearthstone universe now. So you know, we'll see. I don't expect DH to come out of the gates like dominating the meta like it did in Ashes, but who knows? I mean, Battlefiend—that's like. Best one-drop in the game now? I don't know what... Easily. <laughs> yeah. Is there
1: a better one-drop than this card now? A 1-3 so. that grows every time? You curve in, into Umberwing? Like, that is an insane start. Yeah. Like, if you have a bit more consistency behind that, if you have Reload, which you do, then, you know, DH could be um, could be a contender for sure. It has a lot of off-board damage now. Kane, Beta, back in the, their previous form. I would watch out for that. That's a good foundation, I would say definitely i'm excited
0: um, okay how about we uh, shift gears to a little bit less positive of a of a core change druid is losing wild growth and nourish incredible what do you think about this
1: you know that uh you know after last week with the talk that you know uh that talk i've had about ramp druid being a, an archetype that i think should should receive support because it's it's been a popular archetype throughout history and it, it keeps players engaged. And now we have basically all ramp cards gone from core without any replacements. Right. We have um, Splish Splash whelp and Crystal Cluster. Like, that's it. Right? Those are the only ramp cards. Yeah. Splish Splash Whelp and Crystal car- Cluster become the only ramp cards available to Druid uh, entering the new year. So if no ramp cards like are provided to druid this expansion, then it's almost it's basically impossible to play a ramp druid archetype. I don't like that. Like I don't like the message that it sends too. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's like ram druid, you're in the doghouse for a year. That's <laughs> what it kind of tells me. Now of course, it's possible that we get a ramp card next expansion, or we get ramp cards over the next year. <laughs> it's entirely, it's likely that there will be some, some, uh, some sort of ramp support over the next year. Because what does Druid do if, if not ramp? Like, what do, do the Druid late game strategy is supposed to do? Because late Druid doesn't have good removal, right? It doesn't have good AOE. Its ability to compete in the late game is reliant on its ramping. So if you take out its baseline ramp power, then it's in a it, it's in a battle just to catch up. It needs some support just to be able to catch up uh uh you know, while growth and nourish are cards that allow ramp druid to exist even without aggressive support. Yep. So now that they're gone, I have I have some doubts about the druid class. Um I'm not sure where it's headed in terms of late game. It could, it could work if you put some power behind a different mechanic. Of course, these are cards. These are numbers. After all, you can always make the numbers really good and make something work. But if you don't push something significantly, uh, you know, if you don't give Ramdroid, if you don't give Druid things that maybe maybe Druid is weak now in removal, right? but maybe you give it some good removal so it can actually survive without ramping, without outpacing the opponent, then that may help. But I just can't see that druid becoming like another class all of a sudden. So so I don't know. This is the only things from Core that are clearly being taken away uh, that I don't like. Uh, Also, Mm -hmm. Solar Eclipse is a significant uh, reduction in power as well. Yeah. Um, because that card was pretty important for late game strategies as well to magnify some sort of synergies. And the things that are coming in instead are not that exciting. Um, I think the most significant one is a three-mana swipe. That's the card that we're like, okay, that's pretty good. Three-mana swipe is pretty powerful, um, but it's not like, is that a card you can actually build around? We'll see. Oaken Summons is probably another one that people, um, you know, may not remember how good that card is, but Oaken Summons is really good. It was so good that it's been consistently played, even in Wild. Throughout the years, uh, it has not been, you know, power crept on uh, because it's pretty powerful. But the other stuff, other stuff, not that exciting, and it feels like Druid is losing more than it's gaining.
0: Yeah, yeah, the the Oaken summons thing that they're doing here, like with Thickkide, Kodo, and Park Park Panther. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good minions to get off of Oaken summons. And then, you know, I it's probably not good enough anymore. But I always liked the Spellstone mechanic, and Jasper Spellstone was definitely a card that saw play. Um, like they're they're putting some stuff together here. I, I just feel like more so than just about any other class druid really needs like ways to win the game to come out of expansions now like they i'm definitely seeing what you mean where it's like they removed the ramp and they even removed solar eclipse it's like okay like oaken summons is strong but what do you do after you play oaken summons i'm not sure what what uh, druid's going to be looking at and then oaken summons is super awkward if you want to run Splish splash whelp so it's like you don't even really have that option available to you. So definitely like an identity crisis thing happening for Druid now. And it's it's a little sad to see. It's been a rough couple of weeks for that class.
1: Yeah, like, I am hoping that this is like... Like, I I, I was hoping this would not happen and we would keep Ramp. But worst, like, best case scenario here is this, is that Ramp Druid is in the doghouse for a bit... And if Druid falters, then they'll get the help, like the class will get the help it needs. I just think that it's not necessary to put Ramp in the doghouse. Like, it's, it's, it feels unnecessary. It feels like Raven Idol and Greybow or Raven Idol and Park Panther could have, could have been not inserted and just have Wild Growth and Nourish so that we would still have Ramp. But, We'll see. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if the next expansion has ramp or Mm -hmm. is it like we're trying something different with Druid um, with its late game aspirations. And we'll see how that works out, but obviously we're going to have some doubts looking at that. But again, this is the one class where there's even a little bit of negativity tied to its uh, core updates, while the other ones have mostly gained stuff. Speaking of classes that gain stuff let's go into hunter yeah so <laughs> rat trap i think is one of a lot of people love rat trap as a secret like i remember um people really dig the secret uh, and they really liked it when it was it, it saw a play so it makes sense to do some <laughs> updates They've swapped out some secrets for different types of secrets to feel a little bit different. It feels like Hunter is a bit more disruptive. Rat trap and Ice trap are very disruptive secrets. Uh, Cap trip and Wandering monster are more, you know, board-based uh disruption, while Rat trap and Ice trap more put more pressure on the yeah. opponent during his turn, during their turn. So, that seems to be an interesting spin on it. The other thing is King Crush is gone. I actually don't mind that because uh, King Crush, whenever it sees play, it's always when it's cheated out with charge. Uh, It's never like a card that the synergy with it, you know, doesn't need to be something that's permanent. Whenever you you have like you print Big B support, it's always Crush goes in because it just charges for eight for free very often so just too easy of an inclusion so i think it's fine maybe if king crush rotating means that we can have maybe stronger bb support maybe braver because we can say oh hunter doesn't have access to this charge minion so we can be a little bit more bold if that is the result then i'm good with it right um overall is a can be a positive outcome for the class but you know all the other cards are really good master's call is huge, I think. Like, this card uh, was really important for Hunter oh, decks yeah. back in, you know, Rustican era. Uh, it, it's powerful. Like, if you have a Beast-centric deck with only Minion Beast, you have a 3-mana um, draw 3, which is very good. Especially for Hunter, which is known to be a class that's limited on the reload. And speaking of reload, Barakotobain is back as a Legendary. I like that a lot. So... Hunter's card draw options suddenly look amazing. Right? Suddenly Hunter has access to to for real. Yeah. Two very, very historically powerful card draw options. And on top of that, it also gets access to damage with kill command um coming back. And and spellstone is pretty cool, I think. Uh I'm not sure how good spellstone would be right now. But uh in a secret deck, but it's a card that was very good back in Kobolds yeah. and Canacombs, which was a very powerful expansion. So we'll see about that. And Ball of Spiders. Is this actually a card? Also, yeah, like is this is this real? It kinda looks real. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of not bad uh in, in its current iteration, and, right? Yeah. Three mana for three web spinners. The reload is kind of unreliable, but it's kind of interesting it gets you thinking a little it bit, does both spiders uh they they obviously buffed it uh in the twist update back um they buffed it to three that was so basically they're they're bringing it to core now so I think Hunter got very nice boosts here the things that I lost doggy biscuit is a card that even in faster hunter decks they stopped playing it right so Selective
0: Breeder uh, I'm okay is, is the one that I'm a little sad to lose. I think Selective Breeder is a cool card,
1: but yeah. But the, on the other hand, you know, you get Master's Call. So in terms of yeah tutoring Beast, like if you're playing a Beast deck and you need to choose between Master's Call and Selective Breeder, the Master's Call is always better, yeah. right? And you can't play both in the same sure. deck anyway. So the fact that the Breeder is rotating, I, I think the introduction of Master's Call to the core. Rotates out breeder whether it's gone Very or good not. Point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's it's you lose it, but on the other hand, you lose it anyway. You're not gonna pick it anyway because master school is, is is so much better. So I'm fine with that uh, rotating out, and uh, I think Hunter got. Some really exciting stuff. Yeah, here. and definitely with the Master's my Call. My favorite
0: thing about Master's Call is that, obviously, any Beast Hunter deck is going to be slamming two copies of Messenger Buzzard in there. And Messenger Buzzard wants your hand to be full of stuff, which Master's Call is helping you do. And so is Ball of Spiders, kind of. So, interesting stuff going on there. It, it's I know people don't necessarily love, like... The uh, tribal decks that are going on, but personally, in the past, I have enjoyed some Beast Hunter gameplay, so I am pretty hyped to play some Master's Call, honestly. Uh, the the, the, the y- secret yeah. stuff, I don't think Spellstone is good enough nowadays. We'll see, though. We'll see. Though. We still have hidden meaning, right? That was in um, Festival, I think.
1: Yeah, so... Yeah, we'll see. It'll probably need more support for secrets than than just Spellstone. But, you know, it, it's a good foundation for yeah. secret decks. So that's fine to have in core. Um, yeah, I, I think, like, in terms of Beast Hunter, Beast Hunter always felt less of a tribal deck and more of just a hunter deck. Because True. Uh, you can go so many directions with beasts. They're not really limiting you to one specific synergy. It's not like Elementals, where... Right. You have to do a, a very similar thing every time, uh, or Murlocs, which are very one dimensional. I think compared to beasts, so uh, it, beast synergy in hunter has always felt like it's more open ended than other tribes. So I don't, I don't really mind that as much, and I think it's something that can keep players more interested for longer periods. Um, so yeah, uh, encouraging signs from hunter. Uh, when it comes to mage. Um, Mage didn't get a lot of updates, but it did get one significant card that's worth talking about, which is Primordial Glyph. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's
0: a really nice inclusion for Mage now. I'm excited about this.
1: Now, Primordial Glyph backing on Goro was one of the most complained about cards um, in that format back when, you know, Freeze, Gunther, Mage was a powerful deck and you look at it now you know in terms of power level two mana discover a spell reduces cost by two it's not that strong right but mage often um has some sort of generation based decks and any kind of generation based deck primordial gift would be a good card so i like the fact that it's added also i like the fact that frostbolt is added Yep. Uh especially when Frozen Touch is rotating, right? Oh, Frozen yeah. Touch is rotating. It's a um uh, Nathria card. So now we have Frostbolt back a bit for some burn to have options there. Um and Caligos um give it, I I'm not sure. Like eight mana Caligos, it starts to get to the point that maybe it's strong in a big spell mage deck, but I wouldn't hold my breath for it. Uh Flamestrike is nice to have. Um and again, the things that mage loses, I think the most important one is Agwen. That card is important for aggressive burn decks, but mostly those that ran Frozen Touch, right? Yeah. Because there was, like, specific synergy there. Uh, Agwen is definitely not an insignificant loss, but I'm fine with it if, you know... Yeah. If it, it, I feel like it's properly compensated. At least in terms of ideas, right? Right. Uh, but Mage, again, not a big deal, but Primordial Gif, I think, is definitely going to see play. Something that came to mind when I saw
0: Ghosts and, uh, you know, thought about it for a little bit. Don't we have that, I can't remember, Sunset Volley or something? There's like a 10 mana Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have it. it like, Actually, yeah, yeah, that
1: is true. I almost forgot about that card. ghost Sunset Volley is pretty good.
0: I think it is, right? Like, a big spell mage, like, it might be coming together here a little bit. And that that would be exciting for me. I like the Sunset Volley design. I think that's
1: a cool card. Yeah, it is a ni- nice card. So, Caligos works well with that. Yeah, that is, a thought pro- that is something to keep an eye out for. So, I like it. I definitely like it. Um, Paladin. Yeah. Okay. Paladin yeah. actually got this almost... Neat package that works together, right? Because they've got Silvermoon Portal back, which is a buff card, and they got Spike Ridge Steed, which is, again, a card from Un'Goro that was a pretty significant uh card back in the day for Paladin. It was. And then Lady Liadrin is back, which, you know, adds a copy of each scale you, you cast on friendly characters this game. So... It works well with buffs, and it seems like we get a lot of support here for onboard buffs—not hand buffs, but onboard buffs. So Leathrin is a card back from the Libram Paladin days, was pretty significant late game card for Paladin. So I'm excited to have her back. Uh, again, Lothraxian is the one that's rotating out, and this is a card that even in Dude Paladin wasn't <laughs> good enough. So yeah, we don't really matter. miss much, right? Nope, and exactly. Hammer of the Narrow, Hammer of the Narrow was also a pretty powerful card for Paladin uh back in the day and has a lot of stats and power built into it for for, for the mana cost. So I like so I I feel like Paladin again, they didn't add more to the aggressive side of Paladin necessarily, but they they added more mid-game late game power for Paladin, which I like because I prefer them right now at this stage to support slower paladin index. Uh, yeah, this is yeah. what core seems to do.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love this. I used to freaking love slamming spike ridged steed on stuff, man. It just feels good to play. And same with hammer of the naru. That's just one of those designs. It's so clean. It's so elegant. It just puts stuff in in play and lets you swing with the weapon. It just feels really good. So I think. Uh, really uh, this is an excellent change up for paladin and i think at least a couple of these are going to see some play not too sure about silver moon portal that wasn't really used right and that came out in what like Karazan or something
1: yeah but that was um, a four mana card when it came out oh so that's a good point yeah that's three so mana three at yeah. three mana you start thinking about it a bit more because a two two buff on top of summoning a random two it, you That's know, you start nice. to think about it. I don't know if it's good enough. Like, compare it to, uh, you know, Seal of Blood, for example. Uh, sure. It's weaker than Seal of Blood. But it's an okay card. Uh, I'm more excited. I think Spike Reed Steed has a chance to still see play just because it's so much taunt. It's yeah, like, it's... it's so much taunt.
0: Yep. Um, I'm a big yeah. fan of that card. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Priest, Priest got a lot of changes.
1: <laughs> it did. Um, it. So, okay. Okay. So the thing that rotates, I think, is feels good for opponents and players alike. Uh, Benedictus was going to be irrelevant anyway because the undead priest archetype, uh, pretty much, is uh, there's a lot of rotation there. It, it, it's it's losing a lot of rotation, and it's an archetype that I think you know Benedictus last year when they introduced it, it felt like a good way to prolong that archetype's existence. Yeah. But over the uh, second half of the uh, of last year, people just stopped caring, right? The, yep. This is an archetype that even when it was viable, people were just, oh, okay, I'm kind of bored of this. I'm not interested in this anymore. So, you know, they just stopped uh, playing it. So nobody really, not a lot of people care that Benengi is now gone. The right. other... Uh, Big, you know, Shadowed Spirit rotating out is the same deal. Like, that archetype is gone. The Shadow Undead archetype. Shard of the Nero is rotating out. I really like that. I'm so happy. Yeah, I hate that card. <laughs> like, I think that such an effective silence effect, mass silence effect, being permanently available to core to one of the classes just felt like you couldn't play some strategies against priests just because of this card. So, like, I'm good with Priest having good removal. And I think that's good that they have, you know... It's it's a removal class. It has sure, good yeah. ways to take th- things off the board. But Shard felt like it was, like, such an effective answer to a lot of the fun stuff that you wanted to build around. um, And it just felt bad to play against. And in, in a way that, you know, we don't need this forever in core. So I like that Shard is rotating. Uh, remember, it was a card that was supposed to rotate last year and they kept it. Right. And 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 now it's like finally gone. And you can actually... Like a sticky board might actually be effective against a priest, right? Because the thing is, you're playing against priest, a control priest deck with a lot of removal. The way that you usually play around that is by making a really sticky board that it's hard to remove. And then they have Shard of the Narrow. So... Hmm. That was a bit too much sometimes, and added to the frustration of playing against it. So I like that that thing is goes away. Um In terms of what priest is getting support from is mostly their two cards that are might be significant depending on what else is printed in expansions, which is the lesser diamond spellstone and obsidian statue, which are two yeah. cards that are big priest. Right? Remember these cards came out. Um, Back in, uh, you know, uh, Kobolds.
0: Doom? Uh, I think Obsidian Statue was Saviors of Old Doom, maybe? No, no.
1: Obsidian Statue was, was it not uh, hmm. Knights of the Frozen Throne?
0: Hmm, maybe. He's got I'm, the, I'm, like, I'm, Egyptian imagery in the art, so that's where my
1: mind I'm went. pretty sure it's <laughs> Knights of the Frozen Throne. That makes sense. I think because Big Priest first came in at that time. And then Diamond Spellstone was printed in Kobold's Catacomb, further support for Big Priest. That's what I remember. Let, let me see if I'm right. We can pause recording for a second. <laughs>
0: oh, sure. Obsidian
1: Statue. Knights of the Frozen Throne? Yeah, you I nailed,
0: nailed it. it. Yeah. Nice. Okay.
1: So we can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll keep that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so those are, again, but it depends on if Big Priest gets, you know, further support. We don't. We don't know if it does because it will need more than that, but it's again, it's a good starting foundation. And then you have Madame Lazul, which is I think a neat priest card. Like,
0: yeah, she's okay. She's
1: flavorful yeah. control priest that can play, can play it very often. I remember when Madame Lazul was first printed. Um, I gave it in a review like four stars out of four, and the card didn't see play. And then at some point, mm-hmm. uh, like I think eight months later, it started to play and was like permanently included in every Priest deck. I don't remember what caused it, whether it was support of certain archetypes, like there was a bit more Thief synergy, but Lazul can be a powerful card in the right circumstances. So I like it. Yeah. Easy like Reno-Priest. Yeah, to yeah. To kind of thing. Like Reno-Priest yeah. would love this card. So
0: Easy, yeah. What about uh, this one-drop, Ships Curgen? I'm not even sure how to pronounce that, honestly. Like, there are one-droppy Priest decks kind of right now with, like, Pip and, I don't know, Automatons. Naga Priest is going to be losing everything, so that's not going to be a thing. But, I don't know, that card is maybe interesting if Priest gets, like, some cheap buffs or something. I don't know. It's it's not the worst one drop I've seen. It's definitely no battle fiend, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing about it maybe is that it's a dragon.
0: Yeah, perhaps. Hmm.
1: Uh, I don't really. That's like
0: that's from uh caverns of time, right? The twist set. Yeah, this
1: is this is a this is caverns of time. This card was never an expansion card. Uh, this card came from caverns of time, and they decided to put it in the core. Um it's more of an aggressive card right you need to flood the board and priest is kind of weird flooding the board like have you like it's very rare that a board flooding priest uh, wins like can compete yeah. usually it comes from things like void touch attendant right that That's allows true. you to capitalize on the board flooding aspect um if you don't do that then you know it's mostly dragon uh,
0: yeah Fair the enough. pirate
1: is not important, I don't think, but <laughs> Probably it's not. mostly uh, unless we had patches in core. But uh, actually, pretty nutty with patches, right? Because you, be. you pull it and oh, you give true. it one health as well. Yeah, it's after you uh, summon. Interesting, huh? But yeah, it's actually good, really good with <laughs> patches. But otherwise, it's mostly like an aggressive dragon. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the most important thing about it. Uh, yeah, priest, I think, relatively low impact um, changes in core. Uh, mostly shard, I like that it's going away. We'll see if big priest, um, you know. Yeah, it's interesting how... If it, something comes out of that.
0: Most of the core sets, like, they don't give you your win conditions and stuff in core. But in this case, lesser diamond spellstone, like, that can be a win condition, you know? So it... it, it Absolutely. It's definitely a new direction to think about moving forward for priest.
1: Which the is thing is, discard. Diamond Spellstone could be a card in Reno Priest with Elise because they kind of work the same way, right? True. Elise wants, like, strong static effects. And strong static effects tend to be good resurrection targets. Yeah. So I can even see, like, uh, Reno Priest playing lesser Diamond Spellstone. So um, I like it. Cool. Rogue. Yeah. Rogue. uh, let Let me celebrate something, Squash. I am celebrating one thing. And that is secrets are gone. They're done for. I am. Yep. I am so happy about this. Yeah. Um, everyone who knows me knows I dislike two things: um, one-dimensional tribal decks and <laughs> one-dimensional secret decks. So whenever a class loses a secret package, like whether it's mage, rogue, whatever, I'm just happy. Yeah, this, this is uh, a
0: confirmation. They're like, we're not doing secrets in Rogue this year at all. Like, they're gone. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, I'm happy. I'm very, very happy about this. And with Rogue, I'm also ap- happy about some of the additions. Because some of the additions are really cool. They are. Um, First of all, Felderai Strider. One of my favorite cards of all
0: time, I have to say. I just love this card.
1: Yeah, this card Um, just fits a drawing rogue deck you just you play it and you draw aggressively and you can get strong um, board pressure through it triple Uh, sevens yeah (laughs) yeah it's really good with triple sevens though i think trickster is rotating so i don't know hmm. i think yeah trickster is rotating so i don't know about that but like a lot (laughs) rogue has drawn a lot of cards even without triple seven it's done that before it will do it again so strider again i don't think it's a super powerful card but it's a good you know nostalgic card for the class raiding party is big it's big for it's big for maybe aggressive pirate decks could could use it but any kind of deck maybe has a pirate package this is an amazing draw mechanic because it's a three mana draw three on a combo um so like you can even play quick pick with it right you, you draw quick pick with a rating party that's that's already mm. good enough so uh and it's back in it's you know we remember this card was nerfed it used to be it, it was released at three and was nerfed to four at some point and then it got reverted yeah. and now it's back in core and it's uh, uh, iteration so we know that this card can be you uh, powerful for the class and i like the fact that it's uh provides Rogue with some draw reliant on some pirates but again it doesn't have to be a tribal deck like sometimes you have exactly. some pi- cards that are pirates and they have nothing to do with a pirate deck so uh, rating party is significant Spectral Cutlass for the thief archetype that can be something but again it needs a lot of support to be good and uh, it, it's never been really prominent in standard um, but but the biggest one i think the biggest addition is flick sky um the six mana four four that destroys a minion and all copies of it this is a pseudo removal disruption card that was very impactful throughout its time in standard and now it's back it provides rogue with single target removal with some potential to you know disrupt some certain certain late game strats I, I so love Flick. Flick is, is important. Sap coming back, I think some people will think that this is a big deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal that Sap is coming back. Sap is not that good of a card, Yeah. Uh, not.
0: usually. I'm really glad that they didn't do the thing that you see people ask for sometimes, which is to take Shadow Step out of core. I just don't think you want to do that. I really don't think that that would be a smart
1: choice. So. That would be a disaster thing to do, especially now, yep. because uh, what does Rogue have right now other than Excavating? <laughs> uh, if you can't, like, you lose uh, uh, Illusionist, so you can't really abuse that with um, Jarelli. Right. So your Excavating is already weakened enough. Do you want to take away Cobalt Miner Shadows step as well? That would just gut the class. Yep. So... Shadow step again. It's not a power outlier, but it's an important glue card for the class, and it's a favorite card. why are we taking things away? We we're not taking things away from any class, ideally. So shadow step should absolutely stay in core, uh, because it's important. Because otherwise, you just need to keep, you know, you need to just put you just put yourself back in a situation where you need to. Uh, provide support somehow find a way to make things work unnecessarily so right when you have this card that a lot of people have enjoyed throughout the years that is not too powerful has never been too powerful and it gives you that consistency that you need it makes it that much easier for you to make viable rogue decks Yep. so i like the fact that shadow step stays obviously and the secrets are gone thank you (laughs) that's awesome. okay
0: shaman ooh interesting stuff like this is they're changing the hero power back i honestly never thought that this would happen but i think that it I, the shaman needed this i think strength totem just kind of sucks and wrath of air totem just introduces new ways for this class to be powerful i don't what, what are you thinking about it
1: i mean wrath of air totem sucks unless you have synergy for it certainly but- like i think in a in a lot of decks in in a lot of decks strength Thran- strength Thran- strength totem is better than wrath of air totem wrath of air totem is only strong in specific decks that run removal or damage right if you're playing totem shaman you'd rather have strength of strength totem i think it's pretty right if you're if you're playing murloc shaman or totem shaman or any kind of board-based shaman deck
0: that's true. strength is better that is true
1: them adding Wrath of Eretotem on top of the fact that Spirit Claws is back. Oh, yeah. Let me remind you that Spirit Claws back in um <laughs> Oh, right. was one of the most powerful cards. It, it led to the um, um, spike of, of range Shaman being one of the strongest decks in the history of the game. Uh, relatively so, right? It's dominance over the field. A lot of it was born out of Spirit Claws. Uh, so that combination of adding spell damage, uh, I think it's a good time, right? Because bioluminescence is rotating, so mm. maybe they're you're less spooked by uh, Wrath of Air Totem. and it does indicate again it hints that Shaman maybe is getting some you know damage based support, removal based uh, dam- oh, like whether it's damage or removal, damage based support. Yeah. So I like that. That excites I, me. I think it's more interesting. Then, you know, the board direction, which, you know, whenever we support a board-based Shaman deck, people just not that interested in playing it. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, what you do notice from Shaman, that there are things being taken away, but they're not too powerful. Like, Bloodlust is not even good in Totem Shaman these days. Right. <laughs> so we're losing Bloodlust, yes, but I don't mind losing Bloodlust if we get something else right some other payoff. Doomhammer also being gone. These are like pseudo win conditions, like soft win condition for Shaman that are that the class is losing. But there's a big addition, which is Kalimos, at least for elemental decks. I know it's a tribal deck, but seven mana calamos is good. It is, is a good card for that archetype. And honestly, so that is know, something.
0: a big problem that I feel like that deck has had is that you're... just the one drop slot you just really you have to play like bubbler and but now we have air elemental which it still isn't incredible but they buffed it up to three one It, it has the elusive which we haven't mentioned elusive is actually a keyword now which i like uh and i think that's nice for elemental shaman and and the kalimos of course like that i really like that card i think he does cool stuff so i think it's an interesting
1: new thing for elemental shaman maybe maybe that deck gets there and also, Cal- Calumus is not just a tribal card. You can play an elemental package and just activate it and then, like a Control Shaman. Deck. Very true. Very like, true. we've seen that before yeah. in, with Cal. So this card, especially as a 7-mana card, pretty decent, uh, pretty nice addition. Uh, and Mukbulz is Stain, which is nice if you're trying to support uh, evolve Shaman at some point. And it gives you a head start. A bit of a head start because the card is an important glue card for that archetype. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, Warlock, Warlock. Mm. I think got some very important cards. Uh, first of all, Doomguard yeah. seems like a lot of charges yeah. coming in. <laughs> sure uh, is. And Doomguard for any sort of like even even when I think about Sludge Warlock. Oh yeah, I think I play Doomguard and Sludge Warlock like Doomguard into <laughs> Chaos Creation. Mm. Sounds pretty good, especially if Doomguard discards some sludge barrels of sludge. That's pretty oh, powerful. Yeah. But Doomguard generally, if it cheated out, you know, in any other way, just charge damage. It's an important card for both aggressive decks and sometimes slower strategies. Uh, that addition is pretty significant. Another card I think might be significant is Dark Alley Pact. Hmm. Um for me Dark Alley Pack it's not the fact that the card is core but what it indicates what it hints. To oh, me sure. that hints handlock support. Okay. Like Did it, maybe didn't this card like kind of underwhelm when it came out. It was, but there wasn't like that card came out in Stormwind I think. I think so uh, yeah. And it was just completely outclassed by the other things that that Warlock did that. It was not really a handlock deck. It was like a self-damage deck that ran Flesh Giant and Dark Alley pack, ended up being a bit too slow. Right. But I'm looking at, you know, first expansion of the year. If if Warlock starts life tapping in the early game, that this this might be good. Like, But again, it's more that what the card suggests rather than, you know, the fact that the card, what the card does, right? That's fair, yeah. And I'm hoping that maybe we get some more Handlock uh, kind of... Because I think Sludge Warlock is fine, and I'm hoping that it stays viable going into post-rotation. Same. Um, But, you know, we've got that sorted. We have an aggressive Warlock deck for the next year. Let's yep. Let's try, you know, diversify that a bit. And if we can get, like, Handlock or some other defensive decks then that would be really nice. And that seems to be what, what, they're, what they're trying to do a little bit with the score update. Doomguard is good for any kind of Warlock deck, potentially. Um Spellstone is good, very good for a, a defensive Warlock deck. It's a powerful card. was very powerful back when it was released. Pretty right. much was permanently played yep. in Warlock decks. And Dark Alley kind of tells me something. The other card's not that important. Bloodbound is okay, but even in aggressive decks this card kind of fell off. Yeah. And and I think, yeah, Rafam doesn't matter because uh, if you're playing an aggro, an aggressive Warlock deck, you don't want a Rafam. Definitely not with Sludge. So yeah, that, that card can... is like funsies. That card feels like more... You know what? I think it's more about Mal'Ganis rotating and them just adding a different Legendary than it sure. is about adding Rafam, right? Because yeah. maybe they're... I'm, I'm giving like... Maybe there's a way to cheat out Doomguard, but they don't want to cheat out Mal'Ganis. Right? Sure. That yep. that might be the thing that we're looking at here. Uh, they also removed Voidcaller. But again, these are cards that Warlock didn't even play. So we're not really losing them that
0: much. Yeah, and, and we're losing like Fiendish Circle, but we're also losing uh, the Library from... Nathria, We're losing so. the entire in package. Exactly. Yeah. So doesn't like, really matter.
1: Impending catastrophe is rotating, so you might as well rotate it. Uh, fiendish circle because, yeah. it, it was there and it did a good job at supporting that archetype. But now the archetype is gone. There's no point in having fiendish circle anymore. Yep. Okay. So All it's right. a good time for it to rotate. Okay. The I'm Warrior. so I'm wow.
0: so excited about Warrior. Like, first of all, I just have to I just have to get out of the way. Deathwing, Mad Aspect, one of the coolest legendaries ever. I'm so happy to see him back. The art, just the elegant text box, the stat line. Like this card is just awesome. I'm so happy to play him again.
1: Yeah, I have fond memories of Deathwing from uh Descent of Dragons. Oh yeah. Uh which for me was peak hearthstone. Um one of the peaks, at least. Uh, yeah. And I really like that you started with that, because we can bridge from the fact that Deathwing is back, and it's a fantastic card. I think it will see play. Oh, yeah. To the fact that Warrior gets, in its core set, two of the greatest Warrior cards of all time. Ever. One yeah. is two-mana Fiery Warax, 2 two-mana Fiery Warax, and the other is the legendary... It's not a legendary, it's an epic, but it's legendary yeah. nonetheless, Town Crier. Oh, yeah. Um. These are two of the best Warrior cards of all time. The fact that Warrior, you know, is in a good position right now, it's pretty powerful right now, and it's getting these cards, wow. Like, Fireworks is good in every, any kind of Warrior deck. Whether you're oh, aggressive or you're defensive, having a two-mana Fireworks is a huge, huge boost to your power in the early game. I can't, like, and this this is one of these cards that I feel is not outdated. Like, this card oh, no. was powerful in 2014. <laughs> and this card is going to be powerful in 2024. I will be shocked. I will be shocked. It would be the most, the greatest shock to me if we end up ten like starting a new expansion and saying, oh, you know what? Fireworks is not good enough in Warrior decks. <laughs> like, maybe it's not in 100% of Warrior decks. Maybe. But this card is going to see play. And Town Crier... Is so good of a tutor, yeah. like a one mana one two that just draws you a defensive, like a reactive tutor, right? Because you draw a rush minion, so it really helped back in the day. Helped warrior, um, you know, fend off early aggression, was very effective at doing that very consistently. Yep. Those are major additions. Sanguine Debbing is it? where you warrior not rotating anyway? I'm not sure um okay cool
0: yeah it loses like anima extractor right so isn't that like the main payoff so i don't know yeah i'm not (laughs) sure what
1: sanguine depths is still gonna do next year but i care less about that cargo guard also not not too too big of a deal yeah it's like yeah um but those three cards deathwing town choir and firework very very exciting huge Uh, huge deal for warrior i think warrior is gonna eat good and uh, April, uh, in terms of rotation, again, you know, Sword Eater, I don't care that's rotating, we're getting fireworks back, so like, exactly. yep. yeah, yep. like, sure, sure, rotate out Sword Eater, and the other cards, again, not cards that were played, or nobody really uh, cared it's, that much about.
0: Them. It's, like, a little bit weird that I, in this most recent set, they printed, like, a bunch of taunt warrior support, and now they're rotating out Armagadillo, but... That deck isn't even being played, so I don't know if it matters that much.
1: I mean, Armageddon is not even good in the Taunt deck because you have Detonation Juggernaut, which yeah, is a better card and much a faster better. card now. So Armageddon was, like, barely good. Like, I, like, there's a Blackrock Warrior running around at a very low play rate right now. It's not good enough, and I could tell that Armageddon was one of its worst cards. So that tells you that a card is not good, and it's not going to... Okay. Like it's not gonna matter that much, okay. Fair enough. Neutrals. Oh, no. We go to neutrals, and neutrals is actually huge. There's so much to talk about neutrals. It's crazy. Like, they, <laughs> I think they've done an amazing job. Oh yeah. Of like hitting the nostalgia feels here, but it's... also very impactful uh, uh, additions to core through the neutral set. So first of all, here's the thing: Team Five are saying this year we're gonna have damage. Like, charge. (laughs) Doomguard is back. Leroy Jenkins is back. Leroy Jenkins in core. This is massive.
0: It is. It's massive.
1: It's massive for every aggressive deck that wants to, like, go hard face. It's good for any sort of, like, combos. Like, maybe charge combos. Become win conditions for late game strategy through Leroy. It's also huge... For hand buff decks. Like if you're playing like any kind of hand buff support, the fact that you have a, avail- a charge availability yep. makes the deck less one-dimensional. Uh, so Leroy is just a huge, huge card. Uh, this is one of the most impactful additions this year. Uh, and you're going to see this card. I'm oh, yeah. pretty confident that this card is going <laughs> to see Constructed play in multiple decks. Yep, Massive. Another very, very important addition is Alexstrasza. We're rotating Mm. out Alexstrasza Lifebinder, and we're bringing about the original Alexstrasza that sets the hero's remaining health to 15. This card was rotated for a reason. It was pretty significant. Uh, This card allows you to do a lot of stuff, but mostly... It was about setting up combos. One thing, the other thing, uh, some de- like handlock. What they would do, they would develop big board, and if you couldn't deal with that, you would just Alex the opponent in the face and kill them for lethal, right? Yep. So Alex Straza is a big boost in late game lethality. This is very important, folks. When you increase late game lethality, that has a massive impact on the game. So win conditions. That tells me that win conditions this year might be faster than they were in the previous year. For someone like me, I kind of like it. Um, for other people, maybe not. But <laughs> if you don't like that, the the addition of Straza, you're probably going to like the addition of Justicar, Trueheart,
0: yeah. Decor. 5-mana, five five 6-4 mana. now. Yeah, not bad. I think this will not see some even... play.
1: Not, you're not even losing that much of a, and this is this is major addition for warrior, yeah. which very much cares about armor these days. So having tank up available for turn five, warrior is eating good. Oh man. Um, but Justicar is also pretty good in priest. It's uh, I don't think this is good enough for paladin these days, but it's something. But mostly warrior and priest. Uh, this is a big card for them. Yep. Uh, oh man, for sure. I,
0: we could just get so both giants, Mountain and Molten. That's just so fun. And handlock, Warlock, L- like, exactly.
1: Yep. Like you saw, Dark Alley packed, and they're bringing back Mountain Giant and Molten Giant. I am getting huge, huge handlock vibes on top of Sylvanas being added to core, mm-hmm. which is really good. Again, Sylvanas by herself is not too good. But she's a very good glue card whenever death rattle synergies are, you know, printed sure. are supported. Yep. You've got Sylvanas. This is a big swing card. And I love the fact that Sylvanas, the original Sylvanas, comes back just when Nathria Sylvanas is rotating.
0: Yep, that's perfect timing. Right?
1: It's cool. Well, it's perfect timing. We're bringing back the character. Sylvanas, personally, one of my favorite cards of all time. I've loved this card since 2014. I have played her in deck I shouldn't have when I was hmm. a noob. <laughs> I loved Sylvanas. I played her in everything, in Druid, in, in like in Force of Nature Druid. I had Sylvanas just because I loved that card and the character, and uh, I love the fact that she's back. And again, major handlock vibes. Watch out for this one. I don't know, like it, it's too much of a coincidence. Leroy's back, Molten Mountain back, Alexstrasza. No. All these cards, handlock cards. Oh, so it's,
0: it's great. What about uh, this this brand new legendary Nomelia, the Safe Pilot? Which, by the way, there's a cool little sub theme in here. Um, I played the new War- Blizzard game Warcraft Rumble a little bit, and uh, Safe Pilot, Footman, Night Elf Huntress, and Warsong Grunt are all very clearly references to that game, which I think is pretty cool. But uh, the Safe Pilot isn't that just like a heck of a board clear? Like she
1: and she goes face with the Death Rattle. Like that's a pretty cool card. Yeah, she's kind of good. She you can think of her as like six six mana for uh, six damage, uh, asymmetrical AOE. Yeah. She kind of like hits three minions for four, right? Yep. And then she dies and deals two damage to all enemies. She goes face, which goes face two. It's all enemies. I think she's a pretty good board clear. Um, so like, if you're looking for board clear, uh, maybe even like hand buff decks she's kind of samuro, kind of
0: yeah she's like a
1: it's like a basic samuro i don't know she's interesting i think she's she might be a decent addition how about mind control attack? so initially you look at my control oh they made it four five mana they nerfed it but you choose what to take now
0: wow i'm right? scared of this
1: a little bit is this not a little bit scary it you is. choose what to take um Personally, I love the fact that they changed the card to the way it is right now. It's less frustrating, right? Yeah. The RNG swing of Mind Control deck. Like you have a one giant and like three minions <sighs> and the Mind Control deck randomly takes your giant. That feels bad. I, I didn't like that. Now, though, it's it's slower, but it always takes whatever it wants, right? This is pretty significant. I think this card has some, some potential playability. But again, I really like the fact that they took out the RNG from it. Agreed. Uh, but it, it, it's a significant addition to core. Uh, again, the other core, uh, South Sea Deccan. Watch out for this. This is another charge minion. Look how much charge is added to the game. Oh, yeah. They rotated King Crush, King Crush, but Doomguard is in, Leroy is in, Deccan is in. That's a lot of charge that's being added back. I like it. I, I Yep. I, uh, we, we're we the type of players who like it, Squash, for sure. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, Vicious uh, Slither Spear, we talked about it, is being kept mostly because it's a Naga, I feel. It's a good decision about it. to keep the, yep. the, the one-drop Naga in the game for another year to support the Naga archetype, potentially. Boulder fist Ogre is back. <laughs> and let me remind you, Squash, this card gets resurrected by... Uh, by Kingpin Pud. yes. Oh, it shoot. gets resurrected that's by cool. it, which is really... <laughs> I don't think it's good. But it's that's, not good. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good, but it's Baldur Fistoga. You got to pay respects for that. Um, and Wandmaker being added. Oh, yeah. Wandmaker. Dude, I great card. I also reminds card. me of really good times at Hearthstone. For real. This was a Skull, Skull of Man's Man's card, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh. Loved Wandmaker. Wonderful It was design. a very popular card. and was a very good too. Yep. Uh, in some classes though you have a narrow pool of one mana spells. It was very effective. Definitely. Um, so yeah, they also there's some some uh, they printed some new cards for core that I don't think are too impactful, um, but they're interesting. Like Warsong Grunt, which is a five mana three six rush. After this attacks, it kid kills a minion. It may attack again. I'm just thinking hand buff decks. Yeah, right? interesting. Yeah. It's just card be. interesting card for hand buff decks. Firefly is in. Um, That's pretty enormous for elemental decks. Elemental decks. Huge, yeah. huge card for elemental decks. Uh, it's This card is so important. Like, so many elemental decks. Uh, you, you look at Shaman and Mage. If you didn't have a turn one play, it was like, okay, you can't play the game. Right? Yeah. There was, it almost just nothing. And, and adding Firefly, which is a two proc on elemental synergy is really big yep. i think the all o- the major loss from um when it comes to things that rotate the only tour card guide. that really mattered was tour guide
0: yeah yeah that's where my mind went every single other card that got rotated out like i don't care about honestly like
1: it didn't see play like right. nobody played Ziliax. right right yeah.
0: so it's just tour guide but we got good one drops you know, in return instead, and, you know, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It's totally Firefly fine.
1: is good. Yeah. Firefly. You could run it in death Knight's, uh, um, um, oh like, Sure. Yeah. In theory for corpses. Um, yeah, I like it. So, so car there's, I think the, the underlying current here is damage. I feel yeah. like there's more damage in the game. There's a bit more lethality in the game. Alex straws being added to core is a really brave decision. I did not expect them to do that. That, to me, is a bit of a shocker. I like the balancing out with Justicar, uh, that you're giving different kind of players something to be excited about. Yeah, because that's usually a good the point. people excited by Alex Traza and Leroy are the exact opposite people that are excited by Justicar True right? Yeah. So there's yeah. something for everyone. Um,. And yeah, Handlock. Just give me Handlock. <laughs> I want the set, the next set, to be about Handlock. You've given me enough hints. Dark Alley Pack, Mountain Giant, Molten Giant, give it to me. This is what I'm most excited about here uh, when I think about Core. But generally, they've done a good job every year of making you excited about Core.
0: Yep, I mean, this is this is one of my favorites yet. I mean, this is just fantastic. I felt like we could... We just kept going on. There's more and more cool stuff. The more I look, I even think this Night Elf Huntress deal three damage to three different enemies. You pick the targets. It's a five mana three three. I don't know, man. That seems like an interesting card. Just, it can go face. It goes face. I mean, it goes I don't know. face too. Yeah. I'm I'm just loving it. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but this this is a great base to give us an awesome year of Hearthstone. It's a can't proper ten-year
1: anniversary corset, I would say.
0: It is, yep. It some, is some nostalgia, some new stuff, some directions that feel fresh. Uh, I'm loving it. This is awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and you know, the excitement doesn't end here. <laughs> we are probably going to have an announcement of the new expansion soon. And you know, I can't wait to 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 learn about the new expansion. And what's going to happen for Hearthstone on, uh, over the next four months uh, with this core? Really good starting point to get people excited. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. Like this, remember, this is the expansion that marks the ten-year anniversary of Hearthstone. Um, I you would expect uh, Team Five to go all guns blazing here. Yep. All right. Well, that is
0: a nice positive note to end this one on with some additional hype for the the very near future i'm sure it won't be long until we start to see even more and that's gonna do it for this one uh thank you to listening i hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as i enjoyed recording this episode this might be my favorite one yet i mean i was just so hype start to finish if you want to support the show be sure to subscribe via vs gold or on patreon thanks to everyone who has subbed past present and future follow us on twitter join the discord and come chat with us We're going to have a report
1: this upcoming Thursday, right, Zach? Uh, Yep. There will be a report uh, on the uh, 15th. There might be some developments in the meta. There's some stuff, but I'll keep it for for the report. Sounds good.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks to Evil Dave for the podcast transcriptions as always. And thank you to Steven Sensei for the intro and outro. That's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys next time. The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at vicioussyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons
1: and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.